His dad thought Joe would follow in his footsteps and become a New York fireman. But Joe Hart preferred the whorehouse to the firehouse. Welcome, my old pal Joe Hart. Well, Andy, first of all, thanks so much for having me today. I mean, I, I, I've just loved, I've been listening to your podcast, which have been just been great and such an eclectic uh, group of, uh, of guests that you've had. Very interesting, very stimulating um, uh, and enjoyable. Thank so, you. You're, um, the, you're I, the latest eclectic. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're going way out on the edge for this one. <laughs> you and I met in the summer of 1979 when we were both cast as Aggie football players in the first national tour of the best little whorehouse in Texas. I think for both of us, it was at that point in our lives, it was like hitting the lottery. That whorehouse audition that we had at the, uh, the Winter Garden Theater where, um, oh God, so many Fiddler on the Roof and my Fair Lady played there, and all the great movie, uh, Broadway shows um, were, were there. And I and I think Beatlemania was playing when we were uh, auditioning. But we were actually probably, you know, last of a breed where they actually had the final callbacks at a theater. Yeah. You know, and we actually went through that whole experience of a chorus line where you're lined up. Yep. And you're pulled out and pulled in. And I thought it was always interesting uh, that they had two lines for this particular um, uh, audition and they kept moving guys from one line to another. And this is after auditioning for weeks and stuff. And then the producers actually came up, uh, Stevie Phillips, and she said, I'd like to welcome the first row to the uh, first national tour of the Bessel Horace in Texas. And the second row, you are the second national tour of the Bessel Horace in Texas, where it was presented to all of us at the same time. I'd forgotten about the second row. I forgot about yeah. that. A lot of people came in and out of the second row. And, and, and what's interesting about that is that the people who came into our line were people that we have had these long-term relationships with, uh, were it not for you know, them coming, uh, get, moving into that company. You know? And I'm yeah. so grateful for that because there have been so many wonderful uh, uh, people. I had done, um, gone to college for, up in uh, SUNY Fredonia, and uh, I, had, I had done a couple of years up there. And then I came down and I auditioned during my break for a, a, a dinner theater, uh, an evening dinner theater in Elmsford, which oh, just yeah. closed. You and I, yeah. yeah, you and I worked there. I mean, we didn't, not at the same time, but I worked there too. Oh, you worked there as well? Yeah. You do? Yeah. After Whorehouse on Broadway closed, I did Pirates of Penzance in, at, at Elmsford. It's a great place to work. Oh, it's great. That, that's where I got my card. Initially, I did Showboat with Ed Hurley and um, a lot of other wonderful people. Michael Scott, who I'll bring up in a moment. Uh, but I was a non-ec in that. And then they cast me in the following show, or there was a show in between it, and that was Shenandoah. And that's when they bumped me up to equity. So I did actually two shows there. That was with Ron Holgate. And- the people listening to this may not know, but that you know, it's, what, an hour from the city or thereabouts, Elmsford, New York. And, and so you're getting people, you're getting actors and talent doing these shows that are essentially Broadway folks. I mean, that have been in, on Broadway. Yeah, yeah, I was in rehearsal one time. Yul Brenner walked by me. I was like, "What? <laughs> Yul Brenner? Wow. You know, like like that." And then you have like Ron Holgate, you know, and Ed Penn, and and real Broadway. There were people in our, our companies that that were just magnificent. I didn't know them because I was just a kid. You know, I was maybe yeah. nineteen and um, just getting my feet wet. But um, and I was sort of what was great about that for me was that I was sort of like adopted by or mentored by um, a lot of some of the guys in the shows. 
And that and that's what brought me down to New York and got me going there. And um, and then I did a couple more dinner theaters out on the road and stuff. And uh, which was it's an interesting thing, the dinner theater circuit, which doesn't exist anymore. God, this famous actress um, that had just done King Kong, the movie. Uh, Jessica Lang. Yeah, you know, yeah, talking yeah. About, you know, um, Jessica Lang. I met Jessica Lang. She had just finished the show before me. And, you know, back you would come into the to the town and have like a weekend crossover. And it was Jessica Lang. You know, she'd just come off of um, uh, King Kong, and uh, she was very nice. You know, really lovely, and 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 what a what an incredible career happened there. So anyway, you know, I just continued with that. But getting back to Michael Scott, Michael Scott was in the original company of Whorehouse, so I knew that, and I contacted him, and I said, "Hey, you know, I'm I'm a little slow at these dance calls. Can you help me out?" So he taught me the the combination. You know, so I had it in my my wheelhouse when I when I went in. And luckily, I looked enough like Jimmy Rich, whose track yeah. I took over. Uh, Tommy, uh, you know, and um, uh, Pete, you know, gave me the green light. So that got me going. You uh, preempted my next question or story, I should say. I wasn't a dancer either. I was, you know, I had two left feet. Mm. And people that are familiar with the show or have seen the movie, which you were in, uh, you know, they knew that the Aggies had to dance, or at least not in traditional dance. It was clog. And for me, it was a challenge to say the least. So I had to cheat too. I think. And, and, you know, another guy in the show, Don Bernard, I'm not sure. I think everybody that got in that thing probably had to cheat in some form or fashion. Mine was um, uh, a guy who also was in that first line that got cast in the show, Dirk Lombard, who, you, uh, you know, Dirk. And we were both doing a show yeah. at Radio City Music Hall. And back in those days, you had two different calls. You had the dancers who sing and the then the singers who dance. Well, of course, I you and me weren't dancers who sing. We went to the singers who dance. But Dirk went to the first one. He taught me the audition. We'd go on stage. We'd come off. He'd teach me the steps. So I worked on that in the lead up to the audition. And that's how I that was my cheat. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say cheat. I would say it would be being prepared. You know, taking whatever is in your vicinity to be able to utilize your skills right. to get in the room and to lay it down and to give them what they wanted. And Jeff Calhoun, who was famous Broadway director, Tommy Toon taught him the, the combination before he went. So like as you said, everybody had done everything they could to get prepared so that when you went in there, bam, you know, you got. And luckily, if you look like Jimmy Rich, as I yeah. did. I was pulled into the front line, and thank God for that. Well, we also looked like that we could reasonably pass for football players, too. That helped as well. Yeah. It's about being resourceful, and we were Absolutely. all uh, resourceful. And, and you mentioned the movie, just about auditioning and stuff like that. Um, the movie uh, I had auditioned for, I, I dropped out here in L.A. I was in L.A. at the time when they were casting people. And I went to the open call, and I went to the singer's call, got cut from that right out of the gate, went to the... Dancers call, got cut out of that right, right away, walked away, didn't hear anything. About three months passed, and we, we didn't have cell phones. Yeah. We had um, an answering service. So I called my answering service from L.A. I had only maintained it in New York, and I hadn't spoken to him in like three months. And I called him up, and I said, hey, um, any calls for me? And they said, well, you have a call here, but it came in about two months ago from a woman named Doreen Grossman. And she's the assistant choreographer of the Whorehouse movie, and she's looking for you. I hadn't called him in like two months. So I immediately called Doreen Grossman, and she said, yes, we got your name from someone, and we're having final callbacks today at Universal Studios. Can you come over and make the final callback? So I was in Silver Lake at the time, and I took off, and I got there, 
and I ended up booking the gig. But if I hadn't reached back and checked my, you know, it was like divine intervention. You know, and and it was on like a big sound stage with about 250 guys. They were only looking for one guy. How it all worked out to me was who knows, you know, I'm so grateful for that and that experience. Yeah. Getting back to the tour that to me, the um, it was like one giant paid vacation across the country. (laughs) <laughs> on somebody else, we were getting a paid vacation, seeing places we'd never been before. Got to, <laughs> got to stay a while. Uh, you know, we were we were in Chicago for three months in the summer. And it was just a blast. I, we were unfortunately we were in Detroit for three months too, and I think that nearly that nearly closed the tour down. <laughs> so so we're at the Renaissance, but it's like seventy nine and yeah. seventy nine, maybe the cusp of eighty, and it's the um, the election is in in full swing, and George H. Uh, is um, mm-hmm. is running as vice president, and they're in the sauna, and, and there's <laughs> like a, the door opens up, and these guys in, in in sweatsuits and stuff with guns and badges. It's the Secret Service, and they're they who are you? Who are you? We're here with the whorehouse, you know, like wow, you know, and and then and then uh, in walks you know uh, George H. Herbert Walker, and no one knows who he was, you know, because he wasn't. He wasn't really in in the lexicon at that point. Or maybe if you were from... He's from, from Texas. Uh, he is from Texas. So maybe yeah. guys from Texas knew him. I didn't know him. Yeah. But uh, I wouldn't have been able to recognize him. But it was like, hey, hey, how are you doing? <laughs> hey, guys, how are you? Yeah. <laughs> hey, boys. Yeah. So they got That's to switch funny. with, you know, the president yeah. of the United States. Yeah, they didn't States. know it at the time, but he was on his Pretty way. funny. You mentioned we made lifelong friends. Thankfully, you know, there are good things and bad things, obviously, about social media. To me, one of the great things is being able to reconnect with people that you haven't talked to and, and find in a long time. And there has been that whorehouse community, be it Broadway, the road, and we've all stayed in touch. What was your favorite moment on the tour? I mean, what what what, did, what was the thing that really stuck out in your mind? Well, I think, you know, um, there's there's so many so much to talk about, but really I think the the move from city center where we rehearsed the day of getting on a bus and going off to Boston uh, in the fall of 79 and landing in Boston and like, you know, just the, there was the, the world series was going on. Uh, the Pope oh, was yeah. coming. Um, you know, I, I was like 21 yeah. and, and like, Don Bernhardt and I got a got a place off out of the hotel, a really cool place on Charles Street. And there was a like, you know, there were not marathons, but half marathons would go running by in the mornings. And we and we would be in these cities for like three months at a time. So you'd really go. And then we'd go like up to that great restaurant that That, Moyers. I think um, that. Yeah. Roberto's. I think that was probably the highlight of the tour. I mean, this guy would open up his restaurant to us after we got out of the show. Bob would cook. We, we ate like Kings. I never, I never felt like a, like a, for lack of a better word, a star. I never felt like, like, a like, like something had changed in my world that permitted me to go after hours to a restaurant where food was being presented (laughs) and I didn't have to pay for it. And there was alcohol and there was joyous conversation. And I was that feeling was was really neat. And that that has stuck with me uh, again. Very grateful for yeah. that. And to Bob Moore. Yeah, for it, was, it was it was it was spectacular. Really cool. That was and, and that yeah. restaurant, Roberto's, yeah. when Barbara and I got married. 
Oh, you got don't well no, got we, we, Diego, we got engaged in San Diego. I came back to Dallas after the oh, okay. tour closed. It was a week before we were to get married, and Paul Phillips, the stage manager for Whorehouse in New York, said, Well, you know, you need to get your ass up here and get in the show. And I went, uh, that's great. And I was excited about that, but I said, I'm getting married in a week here in Texas. And it doesn't matter. Come on up. It's like it was stupid, but I had to go fly up back up to New York. I go on the show for a week. They gave me two days off, three, yeah, two days off for my rehearsal dinner. I had to fly back down to Texas, got married, and we spent one night, <laughs> Barbara and I went to, to Boston for our honeymoon. And that's, and Roberto, it was the same mm-hmm. deal. It was like the star treatment, Dom Perignon. I mean, he was just a great yeah. guy. And sadly, Joe, that, that place isn't there anymore. It was great. It was, uh, it was, it was such a, but then, you know, like a many, many things, you know, getting to go to Miami for the first time and, and do it, you know, going to the beach every day and, and that funky, um, um, uh, funky, uh, hotel room. We were staying there during time. the, uh, you know, b- before South beach. I mean, it, it was, bef- it was old, it was old Miami yeah, beach and it South was beach. just these old rundown art deco hotels yeah. that we stayed in. You know, have have two months in D.C. to go yeah. to the Smithsonian, you know, and you have your Do days Do you remember free. that was the other oh. one of the other ones that was just like, this is just surreal. You remember Charlie, Charlie Wilson. Wilson, the yes, good time Charlie, <laughs> yeah. and he Infinite. threw us a party yeah. at the National Archives. And we're sitting there. I That was the, the most surreal thing I've ever seen where we're, you know, there was no security per se. I mean, we're putting our beers down on the glass on the it was almost like sacrilege. They'd invited yes. Marvin Zindler, who was the the crazy journalist in the show, to be there. Because Charlie yeah. Wilson is mentioned in Whorehouse. Yeah. Because he was a friend of Larry King's. And then uh, uh, Marvin Zindler. Marvin Zindler and I sat on the desk that um, uh, the Declaration of Independence was signed, you know, you know, yeah. eating fried chicken and coleslaw. It, I mean, it was like, it was crazy. But that, uh, Charlie Wilson's office, yeah. he took us on a tour. I'll never forget. Um, going into his offices and all of the women who worked there, there was not a single male. It was all women. And they were stunning, Charlie's beautiful angels. women. And but they were like that. You could, you know, the, just in the conversations that I overheard were extremely yeah. bright, s- smart and eloquent. And just like I was like stunned at that. And then to see in the movie that they made of him with Tom Hanks. That uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman goes in and is like looking at these yeah. girls, and I was like, "That's yeah. exactly what it was like." Right, it was and like he took us spot he, on. He took know? us up to the was really to cool. the spire, yeah, to the dome, to the dome, the dome, dome of the Capitol, man. Yeah, never forgot that. I think we were a little late for any of the weed from uh, yeah. Willie Nelson, right? Didn't Willie <laughs> Nelson take a hit? Up but there? that was yeah. it. Was just it was out there. <laughs> there was another story. I was not with you. Tell me the tale coming back from Reno. That was just... Oh, my God. <laughs> As they say, the, sh- the, sh- yeah, the show so must Jeff go Calhoun, on. Yeah, so Jeff Calhoun, Doug Robb, Mimi Bissett, and I took a trip from San Francisco to, to Tahoe to gamble like a Monday night away. We had the day off. So we go there, and we're like completely... We're wiped out. We're not... We're losing every which way. And the last like hour of our, our, our gambling, uh, Calhoun gets on a, on a, on a win streak. So, man, he's on a crap table and he is like pulling, pulling huge numbers. Right. So it's our time to leave. We got to get back. We got to get back. No, don't worry about it. We'll hang. We'll hang. We'll hang. Finally, we decide we, we, we can't go. We've reached go, the, no, go. The, the, you know, um, uh, the line of no, no. Yeah. Yeah. So we got to go. 
So we get in the car, except that like Jeff is like completely exhausted. So he says to Doug Robb, he says, hey, Doug, will you drive? And Doug says, well, I don't have my driver's license. And, and Jeff says, why well, my driver's license? Why don't I give, you know, if we get pulled over, God willing, knock on wood, well, I'll give you my driver's license and, and we'll, uh, you know, we'll, we'll just take the ticket. I'll pay for it. You know, we'll be fine. But we got to go like 90 miles an hour. So, bam, we take off. We're zipping along. Everything is fine. And Doug's driving away. And sure enough, <laughs> boom, we get the cherries. We get pulled over. And, and so Jeff hands Doug the, the, the um, uh, license. He gives it to the cop. The cop looks at it, looks at Doug, and then says, what's your birthday? And Doug just doesn't know <laughs> what to say. And it infuriates Jeff because Doug and Jeff have secretly been seeing each other. And Jeff is really disturbed that Doug doesn't know his birthday. <laughs> so the cop pulls him out. He gets arrested. The cop comes over and says, uh, who's Jeff Calhoun? Pulls him out. He gets arrested. And now we all get pulled into the jailhouse. <laughs> so because so, we have to pay a fine. Because it's, it's, it's not just speeding now. Yeah. It's lying to a police officer. So you have to go get in front of a judge. So the next thing, we're, we are stuck in Placerville? Placerville. Placerville, California, between Sacramento or, or right. between Sacramento and Tahoe. And we're stuck in there. And, and so Jeff and Doug are in, the, um, the, the, are in jail. They're in the holding room. And Mimi and I are out in, 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 in the waiting area, like panicking calling people, trying to figure out what we're going to do. They're thinking of flying a helicopter in because Mimi yeah. was a lead in the show and she had to get back and, you know, the rest of it. So, um, but while we're doing that, Jeff and Doug, Doug was the <laughs> understudy of Jeff, but still hadn't mastered right. his solo. So while they're in, in the Pflugerville, Pflugerville, Placerville, Placerville jailhouse, Jeff starts teaching Doug part of the Aggie solo. <laughs> so here are these two guys, in this and they're dancing, you know, this clogging in the thing, while everyone else is like, you know, they're, you know, people coming out of drunks, people are in for whatever, and there's this one kid there who had stolen a bicycle who had been in the hokey for like, or the pokey for like three days or something like that, you know, like, and they all they give you is like a jelly sandwich, and, you know, it's really rough. And so uh, finally... Phone calls are made. Phone calls are made. Somebody gets gets us out of there, and within the day. And so what we did was we bailed Jeff because heart of gold uh, bailed out the kid that was oh, wow. stuck with the bicycle. He paid his bail, and we gave him a ride. So we drove him to Sacramento and just dropped him off on the side of the wow. street. And it was like you know, it was, it was, and we and we headed back to uh, to San Francisco and got to the theater just as the show was was coming down and we went, you know, and did our mea copas to everybody and tried to smooth things out. But there was always a lingering of, you know, we were suddenly the bad guys, you know, we were, cause we left, there were, there were only like what, there were only like, Oh, it was, guys it, on the it was, you know, it was like number. trying to, to play <laughs> basketball with, you know, it, it was like five on two or something like that. It was, it was yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah was I like mean, it was, were, it, it was, you know. talk about band-aided together. It was the funny, <laughs> and I think Joe Gilly was the one ended up having to do the, the act. I think, the, the yeah, solo. and it was like, oh, this is really, you know, this, <laughs> if, if I'm in the audience, 
poor Gilbert. No wonder why he hated me. He hated me. <laughs> he blamed me. She was crying. <laughs> oh, she poor Mimi. She was so, but it was, so wonderful. It was, yeah. I, I thought after, yeah. after that show, I thought, if I was in the audience, I would have been throwing shit on pit people on stage. It was, but it was really yeah. it was funny. So now that was toward the end of the tour. That was yeah. in San Francisco, and then we moved. Then we went to LA. Now, did you you left after San Francisco, yeah. correct, or did you let leave after? No, I I, I, okay. I got to LA and I was fine. Well, I I didn't want to bring that up, uh, and, and I had, I, I had, remember that. That's okay. No, that's okay. I'm completely cool with it, and I, you know, I'm culpable in a lot of a lot of it, and and responsible for it, and and uh, always uh, uh, felt bad uh, for uh, uh, for my behavior. You know, it was a it was a very poor decisions. I, I was just making really bad decisions. We were all decisions. kids. I mean, you and, know, um, listen, uh, we were kids. It sort of it sort of shocked me. It's it sort of had a had a had a tremendous effect. So if you're thinking that it had, did it do any good? It did. In a sense that you know, I, I had to reevaluate my my perspective. Um, I was I was thrown into a very deep depression for many years. I, when I went to the, I was always ashamed about it. And I, I, when I went to do the movie, it, it wasn't a joyful experience. I was frightened that people would, nobody knew, and somebody would find out what happened. So I was always looking over my shoulder and always wow. uh, uh, fearful. And that continued on, and I sort of dropped out of the whole New York thing. You know, I didn't get to yeah. do the run in New York. You know. And I, I, I'm pretty sure I would have been, you know, thrown into a position there, um, which was, you know, reasonable on everybody's part. And uh, I don't need to go into the, the causes and effects, but know that I do regret it and am culpable. And uh, I apologize to anybody that I affected you know, throughout it. That's what threw me. What was interesting was that after all of that and, and, and getting the break in the movie and all of that stuff, I ended up doing Whorehouse yep. Goes Public years later. You know, so I. I really spent yes, a lot did. of time in the whorehouse. As my dad said, I, I was going to be a fireman. He said, you know, the, Joey loves the whorehouse better than the firehouse, you know, which was, was very true. But my dad so, was a fireman. But you stayed in L.A. after the, you know, after the after the tour. Yeah. You stayed out there. You got the movie. You got cast in, in Best Little Whorehouse in Texas Goes Public. Tell me the story. And, and You've also got a good, a great story about your Broadway debut. <laughs> So my big Broadway debut. So, so Whorehouse Goes Public. You know, I did the workshop of it and the workshop was great and people loved it. It was just a, you know, people were, it was just so excited to get on Broadway. Another Tommy Toon show, you know, a masterpiece and, and all this. People loved it. Carol Hall, you know, I mean, just the, yeah. the original people, Pete and everybody, the original um, creatives with uh, Jeff Calhoun um, instead of Tommy Walsh. But, uh, and so it was really anticipating. So anyway, we get to opening night of the show, and we've had about about a month of uh, previews. And in the beginning of the show, I'm starting to sweat, and I think I have, like, food poisoning. So um, we start the show, and as we're doing it, I'm getting worse and worse. And they take and they put buckets on each side of the stage, and uh, I go out and they do a number, and I come running off, and I throw up. You know, And they're like, Joe, you're going to be able to make it. You're going to be able to make it. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well comes to the second act, the intermission, and they, I'm, I'm in the equity cot, the real <laughs> equity cot on, over on the deck, and they bring all my costumes down so I don't have to make it up the staircase or anything like that. I'm really sweating. I'm really hanging on by, by my thumbs. And Vince D'Elia, who was our swing, is in the audience, and he's sitting right behind my parents, oddly enough. And so 
Uh, the second act starts, and I do the first scene, but then I have a really long wait time. And they put me into uh, the stage manager's office because I can't be you know, backstage. And I'm like really out of it, and I pretty much pass out. Well, what happens is they come in to get me to do the final number, and I can't do it. So they go out in the audience, and they tap Vince <laughs> D'Elia, who's in the middle of the orchestra, and they pull him out of the orchestra, and they bring him back, and they, they put him in uh, choir robes. <laughs> And he goes on and he finishes the show for me, you know. And I remember uh, Jeff had told me afterwards that he and Tommy were, were sitting there in the orchestra and suddenly the, the banquettes came out and no Joe Hart, as uh, Vince D'Elia. And they sort of looked at each other and were like, uh-oh, <laughs> something is wrong. Is this the beginning of something? So I always feel it was my participation caused the swelling of, uh, of uh, unfavorable <laughs> reviews. But Vince D'Elia and I actually made our Broadway debuts, because it was his debut as well, on the same night, in the same show, in the same role. And I don't think that's ever been done. I think I remember reading a review that said, had Joe finished the show, this thing would have been salvageable. (laughs) Otherwise, it's a piece of shit. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Whorehouse, boarehouse. Best little whorehouse goes nowhere. it was yeah. It's a badge of honor. And it ran, went closed after one night. No, uh, it had, we had a week. I was in one of those workshops. It was a it was a Pete Carroll Hall. It was called Good Sports. I had a good role in it, and it was and everybody said, "Oh man, this is going to be great." It never got out of workshop. So, and after that, it was it was mm, literally like yeah. you know I'd done pirates. I did this workshop, and then I didn't work for a year. And so I thought. You know, mm. I'm freezing my ass off up here in uh, Hastings on Hudson, and you know, Barbara and I were. It was like, hey, we want to have a family. I'm ready to call it a day. So I left. You hung with it, and I think your your wife Linda probably deserves a supporting award. <laughs> yeah. Yes, absolutely. A fine patron of the arts. Yes, uh, Linda has enabled me to pursue a career without worrying about each paycheck, uh, each each rent being due. She's been a worker among workers, and uh, I'm uh, so grateful to her for all of that. And I just want to mention, when I when I came into uh, L.A., because I came in in 86, mm-hmm. Calhoun and I were roommates out here. And Jeff was really, really great about, you know, helping me out, you know, and bringing me in, getting me in the rooms. For those that don't know, Jeff Calhoun was in our show, went on to become a highly sought after and prolific, highly successful Broadway director. Still is very talented, very talented fellow. But he always championed me. And he, you know, and there was a show here called Bouncers, which uh, he had done some choreography choreography for Ron Link, who was a very famous directed it. And I got into that. And that's what really opened me up Mm -hmm. here in the L.A. scene. And suddenly I got agents and people interested, and that pr- promoted me into, into uh, television and film. People got me yeah. going, you know, and that, that just kept me kept me hanging in. Then I started studying with better people, and I just always pursued it, you know. I, I, I really, I don't know what else I would do, you know, at that time. But that's the thing. You persisted. You know, as somebody said, you know, 90% of it's just showing up and just keep showing up. And and Just you did, up. I mean, you've done a bunch of commercials. People, they don't know your name, but they know, oh, yeah, I've seen that guy. I've seen him on TV episodes. Um, and you did, you were able to do um, 
Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. That's how we kind of reunited several years ago. I love that you guys came down to see it was, that. That uh, so much to me. Oh, it was great. That was really wonderful. And, and Raleigh, we, we talked Raleigh. about the, the tours now are not like what we went through. I mean, that, that was the golden age of, of touring. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, we had trunks, these big, you know, steamer trunks that were moved from our hotel rooms. They were put on the trucks and they were moved to the next hotel room. And you would go to your hotel room and your steamer trunk would be there. You never lifted a bag. It was very, very first class. And now, like the latest tours I've been on, I made more money in an ensemble role in 1979 than the ensemble makes in the uh, national tours now. Yeah, it's unbelievable. It's very sad, you know. And you're, it's a the road yeah. is much different now. It's a tough, tough place because you're moving every day. You're working because you're moving. On Monday, you're moving. You're transferring. You know, back in '79. We could live on our per diem and bank our paycheck or vice versa. I mean, we made a lot of money into in, in the chorus, being in the chorus. Yeah. I think we probably made the equivalent yeah. of probably $150,000, $200,000 in today's money, I would think. So you make a nine fifty a week plus nine fifty in per diem. Yeah, so that's $1,900. So, you know, that's a lot of money for a young guy, you know, back way back then. Well, so how did, you know, being on the road, and you were on the road for with Priscilla for, what, how long? A year? I did Priscilla for a year and change, yeah. Same thing with Annie Get Your Gun. I did both those, one with Mary Lou Henner. And that was a great tour because really Mary Lou Henner was, was, mm-hmm. was a star of stars. She was like, you know, would take care of her company. One great story of Mary Lou was that it was Christmas Eve. We were all distraught that we had to fly on Christmas Eve to go back to our homes. A lot of us were going to New York. Some were going to California. I was headed to New York at the time. We were all flying out of, out of Houston. And... Remember, he was very depressed. And Mary Lou Hanner came to the airport, and she was in first class. There was about 12 of us. She went up to the, to the reservationist and said, all these people are with me. I'm going to bump them all up to first class. So she took the entire group of us, her cast, and wow. put us either in first or business. And we had this huge party, Christmas Eve. And yeah. that was the, just the kind of person she was. She was so generous. You were on the road for a long time. How does your family deal with it? How do you deal with being away from your family? Well, you know, I mean, there's all kinds of repercussions as a result of it. You know, I mean, I, th- I, I, I have regrets about it. I wish I were here more for the boys. Yeah. You know, I have two boys and stuff and put a lot of pressure on my wife during that time. We would always work it out so that we were never apart for more than maybe a month at the greatest distance. And on the Priscilla tour, we had a lot of layoffs. So like you would work and then you'd have you'd work for four weeks and then you'd have a week off and then you'd end up in the next town. So it sort of worked out or. Like I would always check on a tour if it was playing like a California or Vegas, you know, when it would get out to the West Coast, it was much easier to have them come and be with me. And, and in a way, I got to show my kids a lot of uh, wonderful towns. It's a trade off, but there are also good things and good experiences. I, I think so. We try, you know, they were happy I was working. Los Angeles doesn't have a lot of stage right. work. You know, there's about four or five companies that do four or five uh, shows a year maybe there's 25 opportunities to make a grand a week out here you know as a stage actor there's not much it's slim pickings that's why you know like i had to go to new york we're already going back to new york to visit my family because that's where i'm from and and uh, they're they're looking for an understudy for my fair lady for doolittle and so he said we do a self-tape so i do a self-tape but they give me like 40 pages well i did like one speech sang a song and I sang the bass line on the song in the living room, my wife holding my iPhone up and we sent it in. I, I was just doing it out of courtesy to keep the relationship with the agent, not expecting to be asked to come in. 
So certainly, you know, a couple of days later, I get a phone call. They liked it, but they weren't making any offers. And they thought, well, if you happen to be in town, we're not flying you, but if you happen to be in town on Friday, we'll see you at 10 o'clock. And I was like, oh, um, you know what? We're going to New York on Sunday. So I'll just change my flight and I'll go into New York early, which I did. Went to the audition. I walked out of Lincoln Center, walked down to my agents to thank them for the courtesy. And when I get to the office, uh, Pete Kaiser said, you had a good audition. I said, yeah, it was, you know, it was okay. I don't know if they were listening or whatever it was. And he said, no, 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 no. You had a good audition. They just called and made an offer for the show. So suddenly what became just a family trip to New York became a family trip to Boston. And to, you know, I went out and visited people and stuff. And then, you know, a month later, go to Lincoln Center, you know, kind of the, you know, epicenter of, of sure. theater and art in at least the United States, uh, something had happened. I don't know what caused me to be the guy that they pulled out and said, yeah, in any of my auditions, I, in, going, dating back to the whorehouse days. It's serendipity. Yeah. You are the definition of serendipity <laughs> or serendipity dude. Well, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> well, I like that. I like that. It's been a great career. It's still going. It's been great talking to you. Oh, great great you, catching Andy. up. We'll have to continue this again because there's there's more stories there. So, oh, sure. Uh, Anytime. And, 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 you know, I'm just so damn proud of you. You know? Well, thank but, you. Uh, we know each other for a long time, and I've known your family. And, and uh, I, I think of you often, and, and it's always met with joy and comfort and, uh, and deep love. Thank you. And then, you know, one of the things that I'm really happy about is that you got to meet Allison. Oh, God, yeah. Dharma Greb. Yeah, Dharma Greb. Exactly. That? that was beautiful. Yeah. Good to see you, buddy. Love you, buddy. And uh, you too. Love to Barbara and to Drew. Take care. Well, that's the story. A special acknowledgement to Marianne Kennedy, Pat Bunch, and Pam Rose for allowing me to use their music from Safe in the Arms of Love, a song Allison loved. If you liked what you heard, please share my podcast with your friends. And if you really liked what you heard, please consider becoming a contributor to the podcast. I'm Andy Parker, and I'll be here next week with another episode of The Cultural Scavenger. Thanks for listening. <laughs>